How's everybody this morning? Doing all right? Okay, I've got to ask you guys every week because I won't know. Is it winter yet? No, still don't count? You guys are killing me. I called back home uh, yesterday. I think it's 77 degrees, and they call it winter. I told them, well, it's like 30 degrees outside, but we're not in winter yet. So I got to call them a bunch of sissies. If you got your Bibles with you, you'll open up the First Corinthians. We're going to be in First uh, Corinthians chapter three as we continue uh, working through Paul's epistle to the church of Corinth. And when we consider this, we we need to be reminded this is this is a, an epistle I enjoy, and I enjoy it for this reason: the epistle to the church at Corinth lays out for us that there is uh, problems in the church. That's okay. Sometimes I think we get the mindset, we come to church and we think, now, when I come to church, all the people there are perfect. And when I get to know Christians and I start hanging out with them, you know, they're, they're always going to do the right thing. Well, if that was true, we'd already be sanctified, pure and holy. We could be in heaven with Jesus. Amen. We're not like that. We're still people. We'll still let one another down. In the book of Acts, we, we, don't, we don't even get to Acts chapter 5 before we got problems with the church in, uh, in the beginning, in Jerusalem. So as we take a look at these things, as we see them, we need to know, hey, that's the reality, folks. It's okay. The reality of life is life is hard. Things will be tough sometimes. You don't always get along with everybody. Everybody doesn't always do the right thing. We all know that, right? right, right. We've all experienced that at one time or another. But see, Paul, as he's looking at the church at Corinth, he has discovered a problem. And he's really going to get down to to tax with it in chapter 3. And that is this. The people aren't growing. They're not growing because they are carnal. Now, a carnal Christian is defined for several places in the Scripture. But one great place, one great example is found in the Old Testament. We consider... Jacob and Esau, twin brothers, right? We remember Jacob, right? Whenever, we, whenever the Lord calls himself, he calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That should amaze you. I mean, Abraham, the father of faith, we get that one, right? And Isaac, he's a pretty good guy, but you come to Jacob, and Jacob's name means deceiver, supplanter. His whole life was schemes, trying to get one over his brother or And he was a liar. But God was not ashamed to call himself the God of Jacob. Because while Jacob's performance wasn't always at peak, his heart was after the Lord in spiritual things. Sometimes we think we can tell someone's carnality by the things that they're doing. That's not always the case. The place where they are, that's not always the case. We tell carnality by whether or not someone has a desire for spiritual things. Whether or not someone is hungry for God's word to be imparted into their life that they might grow thereby. We can be saved and we're good and never progress. You remember Jacob and Esau. There will come a time Esau was the firstborn. So to Esau went the right of being the priest of the family. You see, prior to the golden calf incident, the firstborn was the priest. The firstborn carried out the priestly duties for the family. He carried the double portion, the double blessing. And he was the one who was responsible that the family would be moving forward in spiritual ways. Offering their sacrifices, seeking the Lord. That's what the firstborn did. But we're told that Esau despised his birthright. And that he sold it, because he did not value it, he sold it for what? One morsel of meat. He was out hunting one day, he comes home, and you know, Jacob, he's always trying to get one over his brother, so what's he do? He's cooking up stew. Yeah, he's cooking it up. It might have been a Brazilian barbecue tri-tip, I'm not sure. But when, (laughs) if you never had that, we'll have to get together sometime, because man, it's good. But anyway. He's cooking something up, and Esau is so hungry. And he comes in, and he's like, oh, I'm so hungry. Can I have some of that? And so his brother says, well, well, sure, you can have it. Just give me the birthright. 
He didn't even think about it. He didn't think about it because he was ruled by his flesh. I'm hungry, so you can have whatever you want. You sure you can have the birthright? We're told that he despised it. He hated it. He did not care at all about spiritual things. That's carnality. That's carnality. Being ruled by the flesh. Well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and see what it is that Paul lays out for us. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Hey, he's talking to them. He says, you guys are still babies. You're not grown. Now, hey, I'm going to this next week, I'm going to go see my, my grandbaby for the first time. We're going to make a trip back and I'm going to get a chance to hold my grandbaby. And I told you, I'm looking forward to, to changing baby diapers again. Weird, I know, but you got to give it to me anyway. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm looking forward to that. But I also shared with you, there was a time in our life, our youngest son, who is now almost 13, he, he wasn't potty trained until he was nine years old. I wasn't looking forward to those. When we look at an infant, there are certain things we look at them and we think, oh, you know, this is, this is cool. It's okay. They're a baby. But they're supposed to grow, right? They're supposed to grow out of it. They're supposed to move forward. But Paul's saying, listen, I should be able to give you guys meat. He's not going to get to the meat until chapter 12. But he says, I still have to give you milk as to babes because you're not growing. You should be growing, but you're not growing. But folks, before we put ourselves under condemnation, if we find ourselves in that position, know this. If my son was 45 years old and still needed his diaper change, his father would do it for him. Why? Because he loves him. No matter what he does, he loves him. So Paul desires that his children grow, but if they don't, what's he do? He gives them milk. Hey, we're going we're gonna to talk about these issues. We'll begin at the beginning. I'd like to move ahead. He's going to exhort them, grow. But the way we discover, hey, how am I? Am I in carnality? Am I caught in the desires of the flesh? The, the word for flesh in the Greek is sarkinos. And we all have flesh. That's okay. But when we are sarkikos, when we are ruled by the flesh, we're not ruled by the spirit, we're carnal. And when we're carnal, we cease to grow. We're not moving forward. We're staying in the same place. As we consider that concept, turn with me, if you would. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, as he kind of defines for us this understanding, let's, let's see where he's coming from. The writer of Hebrews says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. What is it that causes us to grow? But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So how do we grow? He tells us right here. Those who, who are young or of milk are unskilled in the word. The Word of God. Where are you hungry for the Word of God? Are you satisfied with just the, the status quo? Do you desire to know the deep things of God? Because the deep things of God are simply found, there's no easy way to it. I mean, you, you open the Word of God and you study. You pour God's Word in. And you grow. That's how it happens. We have opportunity at, ch at church three times a week. To, to have Bible study. A lot of times people say, oh, so many Bible studies. That's how we grow. We grow when we study the Word. We grow when we desire to know the deep things of the Lord. Listen, he tells us what holds us back in James 1.21. If you look at James 1.21, he says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. So what holds us back from a desire to know God's word? He told us, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. If we are filling our life with junk food, we're not going to be hungry. Let me tell you how that works in my life. 
Hey, if I leave church and I have a big old 32 ounce monster, when I get home, I'm not all that hungry anymore. Why? Because I poured a bunch of junk down inside of me and now I'm full. Does it, does it help me grow? Well, only one particular way. <laughs> That's not necessarily a good way, right? That's the only way it helps me grow. If I want to grow strong, I can't be about all the junk food. i got to be focused on what's real and true and matters. But if I am filled up with filthiness, if I'm filled up with the overflow of wickedness, if I'm allowing all that stuff into my life, guys, what it does is it chokes out the fruitfulness of God's Word in your life. The more of that you open yourself to, the more it chokes out. And you'll be satisfied with very little. In 1 Peter, Peter would write to us in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, Therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Hey, look what he tells us to do. Lay aside all malice. What's malice? That's that desire that someone else is going to get what they deserve finally. And we sit around and think, man, I hope they really get theirs. That's malice. The Bible says lay aside all that stuff. Set it aside. Set aside all those things that would choke out the fruitfulness of God's word in your life. If we want to check ourselves, we want to look, we want to see, okay, how am I doing, Paul? How am I? Paul, if you were writing to me, would you be saying to me, I would speak to you as spiritual, but I can't because you're carnal, like a babe in Christ. How hungry am I for God's Word? It's a test. If I don't have any hunger for God's Word, there is something choking out the fruitfulness of God's Word in my life. And Paul's going to tell us what that is. Let's look. In verse 2 he says, (coughs) Excuse me. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? That's what was choking out the fruitfulness of the word at the church of Corinth. Envy, strife, and divisions. Envy and strife and divisions were choking it out. What's envy? I want something I don't have. I want something else. I want something else. I'm never satisfied. What is it that the scripture calls us to? It says contentment with godliness is great gain. What does that mean? That means I'm okay with my daily bread. If I'm always wanting something more, and I'm not talking about having ambition, but I am talking about having selfish ambition. Selfish ambition, envy, wanting something else, this hunger and desire to consume all this stuff around you so that you might gain. That's an attitude of envy. I want something else. And he says strife. It's always finding something wrong. Always finding something wrong. Hey, I always want something else, and there's always something wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know those negative people? We have any negative people here? I'm the only one who will admit it. Oh, my son. That's two. <laughs> Kathy's in big trouble. I, I will always, I, I have to guard against that in my life, because I can always see a glass half empty. I will always see the, the downside to whatever's going on. Now, realizing that about myself gives me an opportunity to say, hey, i got to guard against it. i got to watch out that I don't always just say what's wrong. And I realize that what I'm supposed to do, according to God's Word, is edify, build up. So when someone comes, and it, it may sound weak, Kathy always laughs because she can tell when I'm doing it, but someone will come up and, and I'll say something like, oh, that's, that's really good. And Kathy will chuckle a little bit. Because what I really would have said was something totally different. But I'm trying to, to not be that way. I don't want to be that way. Why? Because it chokes out the fruitfulness of God's word in my life. I want to be someone who sees the good. Isn't that the way our Savior sees us? Read Hebrews chapter 11. See how many faults you find written on the hall of faith. Every one of those guys talked about did something wrong. But God doesn't focus on that. What does he focus on? 
the victory. We cannot be envious or full of strife. And finally, he says, there are divisions among you. Divisions, schismata, the tearing apart. You ever been in a situation where you're unhappy about something and you try to build for yourself those who think like you think? So maybe you get together and you say, well, hey, listen, this is what so-and-so did to me. Don't you think that was a little wrong? You can even do it at a, at a prayer meeting. You're getting together to pray. Well, I want to pray for brother so-and-so because, you know, he is a dirtbag. We don't want to be in a place of division causing, hey, listen, God lays out for us seven things that he hates. And one of the things that, that I think tops the list is he who sows discord among brethren, the tearing apart of the body of Christ. I'll, I'll never forget, I think it was John Corson I heard that said it uh, years ago. He said, when you tear apart the body of Christ, who bleeds? And that helps me get a visual before I rip off some brother or I say something about a brother or sister in a derogatory sense. Hey, I'm supposed to bind together to lift up, not tear down. It's not my job. It's not our job to tear down. It's not our job to condemn. Whose job is it? God's. He can do it. He does a better job than we do, don't he? He does. So I want to come along a brother and do what I can to strengthen. It doesn't mean I'm going to overlook his sin. But it does change the attitude with which I approach him. Not an attitude to tear, but an attitude to repair. To put back the pieces. So this is what he's saying. This is what makes them carnal. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. He says, who are these guys? That word ministered in our our time has come to mean so much that it should not. For one thing, you know, I, I shared with you once before, and I actually got someone sent me a card that said this on it. Most right reverend. One time I received mail that said, the most right reverend Jackie Roberts, which is an obvious, they have no idea who I am. <laughs> they would never put that on. But it's that attitude that somehow ministers are above. The word minister simply means slave or servant. So he's saying, who are we that you're lifting us up on a pedestal? Don't lift us up on a pedestal. We are servants just like you. Now, what the angel said when John in the book of Revelation fell down on his knees to worship him? Didn't the angel say, whoa, stop that. Don't do that. Worship God only. We're just fellow laborers in the word. Hey, we are all equal. We're all the same. We're not to put any one of us on a pedestal. Otherwise, you put all your eyes on man and man falls. What happens to you? Because, folks, I guarantee you, God is so much stronger than that man or woman that's on that pedestal. And when that man or woman falls, your faith, if it's in them, is misplaced. Your faith should be in God, trusting Him. So that's what He's calling. Hey, this is what, you guys, don't look at us. Why are you looking at us? Look what He says in verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Where does the increase in the body of Christ come from? How does the church grow? Do you know that there are companies out there that will send you mail that say, Hey, pay to come to our class. We'll teach you how to make your church grow. That's not what the Bible said. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. Both of those phrases are past tense. They're completed actions. I planted, Apollos watered. They fulfilled their job. But that phrase, God gave the increase, is in the imperfect tense. That means God never stops increasing. God never stops doing that work. We do what we're called to do, but God is never stopping. God is always moving. God is always working. We read the book of Acts. Who does it say added to the church daily? Those who were being saved. And God added to the church daily. Those who were being saved. He does the work. We fulfill in faithfulness a desire to draw near unto the Lord and, so, and present our bodies to Him. As, as Paul would write to the Romans, present our, our instruments 
as instruments of righteousness. But you see, the problem with the church at Corinth is they were presenting their instruments as instruments of sin and iniquity and not presenting them to the Lord for righteousness, to be used of God and by God. And part of the reason was this division that was going on within them. In verse 7, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but it's about God who gives increase. Hey, folks, we got to keep the main thing the main thing, right? The main thing isn't the, the worship band, even when you have a, a worship band that's really good. The main thing is not the pastor. Even if you have a pastor who's really gifted, the main thing is, are you presenting yourself when you come together in the body of Christ as a, a warrior for Christ, as an as a, as a item that God can use? Are you going to present yourself to the Lord and say, here I am, I'm reporting for duty? Because that's what it is when we come together. I'm reporting for duty. I'm reporting for duty. Lord, instruct me in your word. I'm reporting for duty. Lord, help me instruct others. I'm reporting for duty. God, show me someone that I might pray with. Someone with whom I might share the love of Christ. It's just coming to him and saying, here I am. Use me. That's what it's all about. Coming in that place. Coming for that opportunity. He says in verse 8, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. He's, Paul's saying, hey, me and Apollos, we're brothers. We're not in competition. We're not keeping score. Hey, who, who has the most converts? We're working together, moving forward. That has to be our attitude. Working together, moving forward. It's not competition. Hey, if the church down the street is growing... Praise the Lord, the church down the street is growing. That's good. People are being brought into the family of God. It's not a competition. It's not about who can do what the best or the most. It's not what it is. It's all about, are we furthering the kingdom of God? Are we fulfilling that call that God has given us? Hey, I want to I wanna be that person saying to the Lord, Hey, God, here I am, and I'm working together with all those who are believers around me, moving forward in one common goal, that people will get saved. That they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's what Paul's saying, and we're in this together. For he says in verse 9, We are God's fellow workers... You are God's field, and you are God's building. He's going to build on an an idea of how the church is built up, how the church is put together, how we go about doing those things. Maybe the church at Corinth was all caught up in trying to make the church grow in ways that were unspiritual, in carnal ways. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We need to lean into the Spirit and allow the Spirit to guide and direct. So Paul's going to give us a lesson. He tells us that we are God's field and that we are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what's the main thing? What's the foundation of the church? Jesus Christ. And each of us have an opportunity to build on that foundation. Corporately as a body, we have an opportunity to build on that foundation. To build the church. The body of Christ. But did you see what he said? Let him take heed how he builds. How he builds. He says in the next verse, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. How are you going to build on it? Are you going to use things that are going to last? You know, as I drive in to, to Buell every day, as I drive down, I have this opportunity Sorry if I say this wrong. I have the opportunity to see all these haystacks. Piles and bales of hay. They're huge. Right? Sometimes people can build on the foundation of Jesus Christ that way. Hey, you can see it from a long ways off. But it's hay. 
brother or sister over here, maybe they just got one nugget of gold. They put that nugget of gold out in their front yard and you got that giant haystack, which looks like they're doing more. Until you apply the fire. And all of a sudden, all the wood, hay, and straw, it burns away. And what's left? The gold. The silver. The precious stones. Take heed how you build. Man, you can be busy as all get out stacking that hay, can't you? You can be real busy making a big pile and you think you're doing this mighty big work. But folks, how you build matters. It matters. If you're not doing things God's way, you're putting in all this labor for nothing. It profits you nothing. Paul would write in in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though they speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I have not love, it profits me what? Nothing. Though I understand all mysteries, if I have not love, it profits me nothing. Listen, it matters how we build. We are, as a body, to build. We are to build the body of Christ. We are to do this work. But he says, take heed how you build. For each man's work will be evident in that day. Look what he says. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Each one's work will be tested by fire. The scripture tells in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that we will all stand before the Bema seat judgment of Christ. We will all stand in that place as believers facing a judgment. What is the judgment that we face? Judgment of works. What have you done on the foundation of Christ? Remember he said those who are carnal, they're just on the foundation. They're not building at all. They're just standing there. And the Bible tells us that they will be saved. It's not a a judgment of salvation. But they're going to smell like smoke. And they will have nothing with which to give their Savior. Others who receive reward will have something to lay at His feet. Let me ask you, how did you do any good thing? Through Christ, right? It's through our ability to submit to Him. To seek Him in His Word. To grow in the power and the glory of the Spirit moving and working in us. Enabling us to be all that God is calling us to be. And so, one day we receive that reward from from Jesus Christ. He's going to look at us as Revelation tells us, Revelation chapter 1, with eyes as a flame of fire. You think you can pull one over on Him? Listen, when Jesus takes a look at us, the good news is all the wood, hay, and straw are just going to burn away. It's just gone. There's not some long, lengthy judgment. I don't believe. I believe the Lord looks at us and He burns away all the junk, all the dross, all the garbage. And what is left is the precious stones and the gold. He says, that's your reward. What are you going to do with your reward in heaven? You're going to save up your reward so you can go buy an Xbox? What are you going to do with your reward in heaven? What are you going to spend it on? What do you need all that stuff for? Because one one moment together in heaven, the Lord is going to stand on that glassy sea. The book of Revelation says, and we will cast our crowns at His feet. We'll throw our reward around Him. Why? Because I didn't get any of it because of me. I got it because of you. And because of love for Jesus Christ, I want to have something to give. My good works don't save me. My good works, my good works, those done for the Lord as I build on that foundation with precious stones, precious gems. They're not as big maybe as the wood, hay, and stubble. Not as big as all that other stuff, but they're lasting. They're lasting. They pass through the fire. Because I love the Lord, I want something to lay at His feet. 
I want to have something to give to Him. I don't want to look in my Savior's eyes and I know He loves me no matter what. And I know that He'll still throw His arms around me and I know that He still cares for me just like I care for, for my, my son. But He will have desired that I grew to become the man I could be instead of the man I am. And the desire to grow into the man or woman that we can be is simply built around that concept. Am I willing to present myself to God? Am I willing to say, Lord, here I am? Am I willing to pour myself into study to know who God is, His Word, and what He wants for me? And I can build. I can build those things which will last. Verse 14, he says, Now if anyone's work which he has built on it Endures, he receives a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And I don't want to suffer loss in that place. I don't want to suffer the loss of anything, man. I want to, I want to realize that I, I am more than I am. While I am nothing in Christ... I am everything. Though what I bring to the table is so little, if I present that to God and I say, here I am, Lord, here. What can God make of the man or woman who gives him or herself completely and utterly to him? What can God make? What kind of difference can you make in the world? How many people could you touch? What's holding you back? Whatever that is, is what is choking out the fruitfulness of the Word in your life and causing us to stay in a place where we ought to be growing, but we've become stagnant. need to cut that stuff out and pour the Word in. We want to cut those things away. So that we can build those things which last. Verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Hey, here's a cool thing. We often talk about the fact that we are the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of God. That's true. Absolutely true. But that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about you corporately. You, the church. You are the temple of God. This building that you are building together. This work that we are doing together. The way in which we raise up the children in Sunday school. The the things that we do in reaching out to the community. The opportunities that we have to, to worship and study. We, each time we gather together, we are the temple of God. Corporately. Corporately. We're each a part, a piece of that work that God is doing here at Calvary Chapel Buell. We are each a part. We each play a part. There is no insignificant part of that building. There's no insignificant part. We suffer when even one person isn't being all that God has called them to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I could easily be that one person. There's always opportunity for us to submit more. There's always opportunity for us to present ourselves to God. I'm not saying present yourself to me. It's not about coming to me and saying, okay, Jackie, well, I'll serve. I'll do this and this and this. That's great. We need that. But more than that, I need you to present yourself to the Lord. God, here I am. Use me. Let him direct you. Let him show you. This is the area. This is the place. This is how I can help. This is a piece of the puzzle that is me. For do you not know? We, together, we are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now look what he says, this warning in verse 17. But if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Man. If anyone defiles the temple of God, remember he's speaking corporately. He's speaking corporately. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. 
Why? Well, because you are his bride. And there's nothing he won't do for you. So if someone came in to destroy the work of God, God's not going to allow his work to be destroyed. It never happens. Study the whole Bible. Find a place where they were able to wipe out what God was doing. Never. Not one time. Oh, sometimes they got it pretty small. Sometimes there was just a remnant. But ultimately, God achieved the desired result. He raised up His people. He gave them the victory. And have you read the end of this book? It all turns out okay. It all turns out okay in Christ Jesus. In that relationship with Him. So listen... God is watching out for you. God desires that his bride, the bride of Christ, that people don't mess with her. That they don't try to to ruin her, poison her. God's watching. Now what is that warning he's given to the church of Corinth? Remember? They're carnal. They're divisive. They're tearing one another down. And Paul says, don't you know? Don't you know when you're ripping apart the body of Christ, when you're tearing apart his bride, that you are raising the ire of a God, a righteous and holy God who holds your very existence in his hand? If you come with the attitude to defile God's body, God won't just stand by, He won't just let it happen. He's going to protect his body. He's going to protect his bride. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Man. Again, he's talking about corporately. Now, in chapter 6, he's going to talk individually. Each one of us are the temple of God. But corporately, when we come together, Peter would say, We are all living stones. Built together into a holy habitation. A place in which God pours out a spirit and God does his work. Do you know that God could do his work without us? He don't really need us. But do you know that he won't do his work without us? He'll just wait. He'll just wait for us to rise up and accept that call. Accept that direction. Accept the movement of his spirit as he guides and leads us. In verse 18, he says, Now let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. What's he talking about? Listen, if you're trying to build the church all based on the wisdom of this world, you're wasting your time. Let him rather become a fool. What does that mean? It means you bring yourself to the point where you take all of that learning and all of your understanding and all of the things that you've been given through life in this world and you present them to God and you allow Him to direct. You allow Him to guide. Does that mean all those things are bad? No. It doesn't mean all those things are bad unless you're only using those things in the wisdom of this world and not presenting them to God and saying, Lord, here, use this. Show me, guide me, lead me. Because everything is done in the power of the Spirit of God. Not by based on my own intelligence or my own learning or what I am able to do. It's all about Him moving in me. And He can use all that stuff or He can use none of that stuff. But if we put all our faith in that, what happens to our faith when it's wrong? We talked last time, didn't we? Folks, almost 3,000 years ago, God told Job that the earth was a sphere hanging on nothing. But it took us a little while longer to decide that was real. The Bible told us that life was in the blood. It took us even longer to understand that that was truth. Do you know as you go through the Word of God, there are so many places where science discovered later what the Bible already said? It's true. It's living. It's powerful. So don't build on that foundation of Jesus Christ 
just based on what you can gain in knowledge in this world. Build on the foundation of Christ with those things that are going to last. Not with the wisdom of the world, but with the wisdom of God. And simply, all we, all we have to do to do that is just present what we are to Him. And say, here I am, Lord, use me. Isaiah chapter 6. When the Lord looked at Isaiah and He said, Now who shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, what? Here I am. Send me. He wasn't perfect. He was willing. Are you willing? Because that's what matters. Are you willing to allow the wisdom of God to work in your life? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise And they are futile. What's he saying? Listen, the church is not supposed to imitate the world. Not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be like Christ. It's not supposed to be about what everyone else is doing. It's about what is God's Spirit moving us to do? And submitting ourselves to Him. Hey, there are a lot of times God will move in a variety of different ways. With a variety of different forms. There are different denominations that are growing. Why? By the power of the Spirit of God moving in them. We may not all agree on everything, but we will on the essentials. What's that? The foundation is Jesus Christ. Are you building on Him? Or are you building on something else? Don't build based on what the world does. Build based on what God's leading us to do. How God is directing us. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Christian liberty. Don't boast in men, man. All things are yours. It's all yours. He goes on to tell us, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, things present or things to come, all are yours. Paul would write, in another place, that we are free to do all things. We are at liberty. We experience liberty in Christ Jesus, not bondage. But he said, all things do not, what? Edify. All things do not cause us to grow. He's telling the church at Corinth, who are exercising their Christian freedom. But he says, listen, not everything that's free is good. Not everything that's free will cause you to grow. Not everything that's free is going to cause you to move forward with the Lord. Man, you, you got to realize you want the real, you want what God wants for you. Not just what it's okay for you to do or okay to have, man. God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? You may be feeling in a certain area in your life, a struggle. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you that, hey, you need to get this out of your life. You need to remove this out of your life to move forward with the Lord. Just because it's not a sin to do it, doesn't mean it should be a part of who I am. If it causes me to be stagnant and not to grow, if it chokes out the fruitfulness of God's Word, I need to get it off, get it away. Lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares you and run the race with endurance that we're called to run. Lay aside the weight. Grow. Hey, everything is is good. We have freedom in all things, but what else? The next part is vitally important to that. For all are yours, but look at verse 23. You are Christ. Everything is yours, but you are Christ. What are you going to join Christ to? For you are the body of Paul, right? If you join yourself to a harlot, don't you know that you join Christ? You're the body of Christ. Those things that that we allow, those things that come into our life and hinder our growth. Hey, they're free. They're good. Great. Whatever. They're all over the place. But you're Christ. You belong to Christ. What does Christ want for your life? What does the Lord want for you? What does God want for your growth? Are you presenting yourself to Him and saying, God, whatever you tell me is gone, is gone? Or are you keeping something in a closet? 
Everything but that, Lord. I'm not cleaning out that, man. There's nothing wrong with that. I can justify it. I can justify it. We could keep this, this, this little corner of my room, Lord, that, that's mine. You get everything else. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The Lord would say a little leaven, what? Leaven's the whole lump. Little bit. Can you bring yourself to the Lord? As Paul's calling the church at Corinth, can you bring yourself to God, realizing that we corporately are building this body, and one day God's going to look at the work we did together here. And He's going to say, man, great job you built with gold and silver and precious stones. He's going to burn away all the hay and wood and stubble. He just wants what was done for Him, for what is done for Christ will last with the right attitude, building the right way. He's going to look. But for us to be able to do that work that God's calling us to do individually, we have to go to the Lord and say, God, am I caught in carnality? Am I stuck in a place, God, where where I'm I'm wrapped up in this sin and I I won't let it go? I'm, I'm holding on to this weight. I know it's okay. All things are mine, so, so it's okay. It's, if God is calling us to let something go and we hold on to it, it is sin. If He's calling us to let it go, we need to let it go. What is holding you back from growing? For it's time for us to lay aside the milk and desire the meat. What's the difference? Milk, that's what Jesus has done for us. I love it. There's nothing like a cold glass of milk. And all those things that that Jesus has done for me, that He died for my sins, that He has raised me in Christ. I am dead in Christ. I've been crucified with Him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But what's the meat? what Christ wants to do in you now. Where does He want to take you now? How does He want you to grow? Don't just stay in the first place. Don't just stand in that place of salvation. Don't just be happy to stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but not build. Let's come together. Together, let's lay aside whatever that is, whatever's holding us back as as His body here. Let's lay it aside and let's go forward and accomplish the work that God has for us to do. And in the end, won't it be great? Won't it be great to stand before Jesus together and hear, well done? And hear that you set aside those things that held us back, the carnality that, that stopped our growth, that we set that aside and we move forward and presented ourselves, our bodies, as tools of righteousness to God. That He would do His perfect work in us. And man, when God does that work, eye has not seen, right? Ear has not heard hasn't even entered into the hearts of men the things that God has planned for him, the deep things of God. But how are they revealed? By the Spirit moving through us, touching the people around us as the Spirit overflows through us. Hey, that's our desire. To touch our community with the reality of Jesus Christ. To build His church and to build it out of pure gold. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank You, Father, for this opportunity. God, as You bring us to this place, Lord, we're, we're faced with a, a decision. We can look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that was given to us this day to study at this time, and we can say, well, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Or we can say, God, this was a moment that you called out in time to tell me to look at myself, to examine myself, to see where am I? That I might, that I might lay aside anything that holds me back from doing what you're calling me to do.
that I can make a commitment, God, I want to hunger and thirst for your word, for righteousness. God, I want a desire to grow. And your word tells me that I got to lay aside the filthiness and the wickedness in my life. I got to lay aside malice and deceit. I got to put all the junk out of my life. I got to set it aside to receive your word. If I allow that stuff in my life, it's going to choke out the fruitfulness of your word. Just like that seed falls in that shallow soil, springs up quickly. But the weeds, the cares of this world, the burning sun just burns it out. Burns out the fruitfulness. God, do a work in your body this morning that we might be able to do what you're calling us to do. That we might lay aside all of that and receive with thanksgiving the word that is going to help us grow. God, help us grow. God, help us be what you're calling us to be. Lord God, we present ourselves to you. So, Father, let those eyes of a flame of fire burn in us now. For while it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, Lord God, my God is an all-consuming fire. And if he's in that right place in my life, he will consume everything around him. So God, we come before you now to be placed in that right place. To put you on on the throne. To make you our primary concern. Burn away all the junk that we might be what you're calling us to be. And we will give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to.